Um, thank you very much for having me. Um, I'm definitely not on my own today. And I'm very happy to introduce the guest for today's session. Um, she's a mother of four. She started out as a developer in the 90s in the telecommunications industry. And she's now the co-founder of the Finnish fintech Enfuse. I'm very happy to uh, welcome on stage Monica Likama. I think we heard that we need more female entrepreneurs. We now have an example here, but also one way to inspire people to found companies is by giving them the, the chance to work in startups, experience it firsthand, and then go out and with this expertise, found their own startups. And that's what we're talking about today. We're diving deeper into the topic of um, recruiting diverse and even in tech jobs. And that's what we're focusing on. But um, yeah, what do you think or what would you say does recruiting for diversity mean at Enfuse? Well, for us, diversity and inclusion are, are really imperative because that's the only way to scale and build a global company. So when we started the company, it was me and my co-founder, Denise, and we are also now working as co-CEOs because we, we together founded the company and, and we are building it to go global. And uh, especially being in the tech industry, it has been challenging to find diversity. And also if we think about like we are founded and headquartered in Finland, which is kind of up north from many perspectives. But we decided on a couple of things to make sure that the company would be what it is on track to become. So first of all, we decided that we're going to build a global company. We want to be the best because we uh, believe that uh, when you strive to be the best, not for perfection, but to be the best, that's, uh, that's when you can actually have an impact. So then we decided also that English is, is the language to use. Uh, and then uh, that enabled us to, to start looking at people with very diverse backgrounds. And also since I'm an old banker, so yes, I used to be a developer in the last millennium, uh, and, and then I've been building banks. So I, I've been uh, founding companies twice, once in 2006, and then now in uh, yeah, six years ago. So we decided that uh, to get more women into to what it is a very techy company, because what we do is financial technology. We enable the issuance of money. And we were the first one to put it in the public cloud. But all the things we decided to do and choose was because they served a purpose. And we understand that when people are different, they come from different background, they, they look different, they, they are different, that's actually when you get the innovation. Because if everyone was like me, the company wouldn't be where it is. And if everyone like, were like cut from the same mold, we would only get a certain type of, of uh, services. And that's not how you change the world. you know. Absolutely. Just to give a bit more context, you said you're, let's say, doing uh, or enabling banking and payments. Um, let's, let's keep it with that. Don't get too technical. But yeah. you are around 130 people. You're about to scale to 200 end of the year. You raised more than 60 million euros. Um, so just to give, give a bit more of perspective why we're talking here. And um, can you give us a bit 
more numbers because saying we recruit diverse is easy, but uh, showing off that we actually did is a bit harder. Yeah, so out of the 130 uh, or whatever we are today, because uh, people keep coming in, I, I keep losing track. Uh, it's, uh, there are 20 different nationalities. Uh, we are in multiple places, so working remotely has been something that we've done from day one, because just the, the founders, we live in different places. So Denise lives on the island of Åland, and I live on the main, mainland, so to say. Uh, out of the, the company, there are currently 42%, I believe, or plus 40% are women. And then in the management positions, we have also closer to 40% are women. And, and it, it, it is, um, I used to be the person that thought, but yeah, but in the end of the day, it matters more uh, your background and, and what you have been doing. But then realized maybe 10 plus years ago that actually, it is more important to be systematically diverse, like, like focusing on actually hiring people with diverse backgrounds, just because it gives the synergy. So one plus one equals more. So that's what we do. We systematically make sure that we have a diverse set of, set of uh, people working in the company and different backgrounds. So I would say the general opinion is that hiring for background and skill sets and experience is definitely a good, good thing. And but and like the the way that many startups, I'm from Berlin, and many startups there go this way, this route. If you're not from VHU or all the other great yeah. universities, but you Germans are a bit different, <laughs> and you know the friends are weirdos too. But you know, no, just kidding. That, that's that's where my question leads <laughs> to. Um, yeah. not not the weird part, but ah, more okay. the the impact part of recruiting diverse. Why does it make such an impact on my company, on mm. my startup, if I recruit diverse? Why should I consider it more and more instead of just looking for the CV? Yeah. Well, I think it's as simple as that. Uh, if you take everything, people look the same, they act the same, they have similar backgrounds. Because I do see a lot of startups, and also successful startups, that have been founded by a group of people that have been you know, in the same school or something, that they are very, very similar. And, and that will take you sometimes a, a long way. But if you want to like have the, let's say, the, the success factors more in your favor, taking different type of people. And, and here I also think that from our side, I think, uh, I don't remember exact numbers, but I think uh, the average age at Enfuse is around 37 or something like that. So we have old people and then we have young people also. Uh, and that's a challenge because the older people, like myself, are more used to the hierarchical way of, of working. And then come the younger people who are like, hey, where's the whatever? And I'm like, oh my god, what's wrong with these people? But having that actually makes us better. It's not easy, but it, it does make us better. And in the end of the day, it future-proofs the company. Because in the end of the day, the younger generation are still the, the future. And since I want to build a company that is here also when I retire, I need to have that pain now. And as a mother of four, I mean, I, I'm used to <laughs> painful experiences. But having this uh, chaos in your own company means putting your ego aside as a leader. Because if you're 
if you're talking about hiring people who are not that similar, it's a challenge to hire them. It's uh, a challenge. It's challenging yourself to, um, yeah, give them the space they need to yes. develop to. Yes. Challenge your opinion. Yes. How do you how, hold yourself accountable to that? Yeah, and that's a challenge, uh, of course, especially when you've been working before in the banking industry, where it is much more hierarchical, and then when you're used to that, just because of the position I hold, my words matter more. But then. Uh, I think like my co-founder Denise says that the good thing with me is that I do change my opinion if someone is good at presenting what they think. But in the end of the day, there's also tools that you need to use. So what we have at Enfuse is that the management team, including myself, we have coaches that coach us not to suck at leadership. So we have this servant leadership uh, methodology that we're using. And that is to exactly do what you said, step back and, and enable the growth. So be there to coach and support. It's not easy, because when, I, when you know the stuff, it would be so much easier to just go in and say, hey, you should do it like this, or you should do it like that. But that will never scale. Again, thinking about having the global ambition, I understand that I can't be the bottleneck, which means that I need to make sure that there are people who, who take responsibility and are accountable. And you don't get accountability and responsibility by putting titles and money on the table. People need to really you know, value what they're doing and, and you know, come to insights on how they will do it. So that's one part. And then also, uh, you know, we talk way too little about mental uh, health. So what we also uh, incorporated at Enfuse is, is a service where people are not forced, <laughs> but are allowed to use uh, psychologists, like psychotherapy sessions, uh, just to, and, and I see that more as a coach. Like in my head, my head is full of ideas, and like I, I there's nothing. My, my glass is always half full. So, in order to structure them in a way that it's focused enough, so that we achieve what we need to achieve, I also use the psychologist because uh, it's a she. She helps me to focus on the right stuff and not be an asshole. And actually, we have a zero asshole policy at the company. So when we hire people, there, there are two, two things that matter. First of all, it's about uh, what you want to come and do. Because living in a startup scale up, it's, everything changes all the time. And if you can't manage the fact that everything changes all the time, this is not the place for you, because then you will be unhappy, and, and, and all, a lot of weirdo stuff will happen. Uh, and, and then I think it's, it's really important to, to, to have an ambition level and not be an asshole. So of course, some days, like what I am as a person, I'm, I'm uh, at my best, I'm inspirational, and da da da. At my worst, I'm a micromanager. So how do we make sure that that doesn't become into being an asshole? So we talk about a lot about what, 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 what is it when you are not that. Uh, and it's also important, because then we give words to the, to the events. Well, you know, people 
argue, but it's, it's always about the stuff and it's always in the best interest of the company. So it shouldn't be personal, because if it would be personal, then you're an asshole. And then we start putting words on those so we can actually start cleaning that type of behavior away. Yeah, sorry, I can rant forever on these <laughs> topics. <so. laughs> We're definitely uh, digging deeper into that uh, in a second. I wanted to say, as my, my bridge, um, let's get a bit more actionable. You did already, yeah. um, but, uh, but still, how usually the filter is experience and um, what people have done and CV and whatever. And yep. the filter changed over time in the startup ecosystem. It's not the same as in the corporate. Um, yep. But the question is, how do you filter and measure the quality of a candidate if you're looking for ambition or what people want to do? And how do you test it? Like, let's get a bit more actionable there. Because if I don't understand how I can change my filter, I cannot recruit more diverse. Yeah. Uh, well, first of all, it, it, uh, I do believe that systematic way of working uh, is the way to scale fast. And, and since we do money, uh, it has to be right. So what we do is that we start from, uh, from the fact that wh what are we needing? So in the end of the day, uh, Enfuse is on a mission, and people help Enfuse reach that mission. Enfuse isn't here for the people, which means that there is a, a, a goal that we want to achieve. There, is, there are things we need to do. And for those, we have roles with re expectations and responsibilities. So when we start looking for people to fill those roles, uh, we have this uh, three-layer interview. It takes time. And like, uh, the good thing is that when, as we grow and as we become more known uh, as a company, the amount of inbound you know, applications rise. So of course, there needs to be some basic filters. But in the end of the day, it's, it's a lot about the manager, the team, and then the people operations. They spend a lot, uh, time on, on interviewing and, and having, depending on what position you are, are applying for, of course, there are some tests. But if I look at what I do mostly, I recruit on the C level, if you, if you put it like that. Then there is, uh, you know, we use third parties to help us uh, get the right type of people. But before we get, they, they interview us, like who are we? What, what are we doing? What kind of people do we need? And they also help us make sure that we are different. So it's not about saying, oh, we know everything. We know how we hire. It's also getting help in yeah, yeah, this yeah, process. Yeah, 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 exactly. Because there's a lot of things that we don't know. So we know where we want to go. Uh, we, we have a quite good understanding of where we are. But there, there's a lot of people out there and the companies that can help you bridge the gap and use that help. I mean, thank, if I think about what are the two most uh, important things to be uh, a founder and, and building a company is that, first of all, you need to have courage. And I don't use the word fail, because it's a negative word. And it's not about failing. And it's not about perfection. It's about getting shit done. And, and then uh, it's, it's really about uh, asking for help. I mean, like, I've asked for help. Well, probably every day, but especially in the beginning, there was nothing uh, that I, I don't know, I just reach out. And I have to say that I have never received a no, I won't help you. I, could, I might have received like, hey, I'm not the right person to help you, but hey, call this person and tell them I told uh, you to call them. 
And, and I think those are the two major things. So have courage, just do it. If people don't die, uh, just do it. And then have the, have, have the courage to ask for help. There's a lot of good help out there. Absolutely. I, I think it's very important as a, to understand as a founder that you're not in charge of knowing everything. You're in the business of knowing the right people to ask for and get help from and yeah. manage um, you, or give your people the platform to build on top by enabling them. And you can enable with people, network, with uh, resources, with, with money that you get from investors and uh, all different type of uh, type of things, but it's not only you who is uh, in charge of. No, delivering. I I like that saying, and I don't remember who said it, but like uh, if you're the smartest person in the room, you're in the wrong room. So it's it's really about try to find people that know stuff you don't know, because the stuff you know you know. So what that that it, that that doesn't scale. So really, it's about getting people, and then that's also I think one of the things when it comes to to building the company, have the diversity. Because if you, only, if you only hire people from the same backgrounds that know the same things as you, you are really limiting yourself. And I think one thing, especially for women to understand that, I, I hear a lot of these uh, things that you should focus on, on knowing your strengths and weaknesses. And then you should focus on, on making sure that you're, uh, you're gapping the weaknesses. I think that's actually bullshit. Because in the end of the day, if you want to 10x something, uh, the, your strengths are the things that you should focus on. Because when you, you, when you have strengths and then you put effort into those, then, then it becomes 10 times better. But if you have weaknesses, whatever that might be, and if you put a lot of effort on them, you will maybe become a little bit better. But then a little bit better isn't uh, good enough. So I, I would recommend to quit reading a lot of these self-help weirdo books and just start doing things that you're passionate about. Good, good one. Um, <laughs> we will jump a bit in, in topics. Um, as we said right now, um, it's not only about the people. Um, sometimes to hire people, if you're not uh, having enough revenue, uh, you need money from investors. And there are good investors out there and um, maybe not so great investors. But the question is how to choose, choose and uh, how to, or what am I looking for? Especially as there are lots of founders listening right now thinking, hey, I need money from investors. Uh, I think it's also a very important topic to cover who am I taking the money from because I have to go a journey of five to 10 years with them. If I fail, it might be a bit um, yeah, less time, but we're not thinking about that part. So. From your experience um, of, of raising a few rounds for, for Enfuse, what would you say is the investor type that you would want to work with? Yeah, I think especially in early days uh, when we founded the company, and, and uh, as I said, we didn't found a fintech startup, we just founded a company that does payments better. So our first two years, we, we actually made money and then we started to grow and scale and needed to get in investors. And uh, I know that investors might be like, no, that's not how it is. I met around 200 plus fintech specialist VCs and they have a lot of advice and you know, they have a lot of opinions and stuff. But in the end of the day, trust yourself. You know best what you are doing and, and what you need to get the money to understand is where you're going. 
So uh, I, I met once a, a founder who said like this, there are two types of investors in the board. There are harmful and harmless. So don't think that they will come in and help you build your company. They believe in you, especially in the early days, because it's about the team, and then they are shit put, putting money, <laughs> putting money in, into the to the company. But in the end of the day, that's what you 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 want. So I would say how to spot an investor. It's like dating. So. You, you, you spend time, you talk about it, then you, you get uh, married and, and write the prenup, which is the shareholder agreement, and then they disappear. And, and that's a good thing, because I think that's what you need to understand. That's what you want. You don't want them to be around all the time, having a lot of questions, because I also talked with one other founder, so uh, a good, good uh, co colleague friend from Finland, Volt founder, Miki Kose, and. He said that you shouldn't have board meetings more than four times a year uh, because it takes a week at least to prepare. So if you have a board meeting once a month, it's one week of that month when you could actually be doing stuff that you will be just reporting or what you already did. So I think those are the things that if I would have gotten advice in the early days, I think I would have told myself that don't expect someone as an investor to come and have a lot of shall I say, useful advice. Of course they have, I'm, I'm a little bit, maybe a little bit over exaggerating, but it's about the people. It's always about the people. Money is money, but it's about the people. And regarding the board meetings, it's not only you who is preparing, it's the whole leadership team. So yeah, because exactly. they have to report and yes. that means the company is basically like not working. Exactly. So you're like halting a week of, of getting shit done and, and just reporting on stuff you already did. So I think those are the things that, especially in the beginning, but then what we did is that we, we, we took in an advisory board, and that's different. So when we, when we have the actual board with the investors, they are there to protect their investment. So they want to understand, like, are you doing what you said that you would be doing and blah, blah, blah. But it's not like very inspiring meetings because you're working with the shit all the time. So you know it. So it's like, it's a bit weird. You're reporting kind of to yourself. Uh, but then we, we took in an advisory board. And, and in the advisory board, we have people from different areas uh, with different backgrounds in different locations because there are a lot of good people who have done the founder journey, who have been in, in various places, who still have energy and life in them uh, that you can have and, and give the insight. So I, I really think that a, an advisory board is a good thing. And then an advisory board where you pay them money because they are spending time, but you don't pay them equity. Because as soon as company shares are on the table, the game changes, and then people still start playing their own game. And They're you playing don't politics, though, yeah, because yeah, they need yeah, their investment yes, to grow and not yes. uh, the founder side. They take the, the investor role instead yes. of the, and, the founder And what role. we want the uh, advisory board to be is a group of people that challenge us, that makes us see things that we don't see. Uh, and I think that's why it, it is good to have an advisory board and not to, to pay them in equity. 
definitely a, a different view for many people. Many are going out there and giving up uh, virtual shares and uh, employee share uh, options very soon for, for advisors. Yeah. So uh, definitely a good thing to have in mind. Um, as in dating, there might be also uh, toxic traits um, that you can look out for to decide who not to work with. So what kind of, we, we don't name investors, but what kind of uh, toxic traits did you discover and would stay away if you're looking for funding now? Yeah, uh, um, we, we actually open up uh, the dialogue with, like, and, and pardon my French, uh, like, we don't want to work with dicks. And then we decided that's a bit too racist, so let's do the asshole, because everyone has one. So, so, so that's what we said to the, like the investors also. Uh, and we met that type of investor. So when, when we met, the, especially in the A round, uh, we met these growth funds and investors. And I remember once, me and Denise, were, we were pitching. Uh, and, and going into tech, and then this uh, older gentleman looked at me and said, hmm, boy, boy, girls, you know, I've been doing this for 30 years, and that's not how it's going to work. And then I looked at Denise, and, and, and she, she is um, younger than me, and she trains and all that, so she needs food. And I was like, lunchtime? And she said, yes, and then we left. So, uh, I mean, I, you need to also know what you don't want, and for us also, the money is important, that, that you have an idea. And think about it also, if you have the luxury of thinking about it from a, like, do you want this investor to be part of the journey of, of your company? Because there are also, of course, shady investors, especially living, living uh, in, in these times. I think we see that even more. So be mindful, but then in the end of the day, uh, you need money to survive, like cash is oxygen. So, to, so sometimes uh, you, you need to maybe take a little bit money. Uh, but, in, but here, be mindful, and, and it has to click uh, with, the, with the investors. And then, the, then, then, then you want them to leave you alone. <laughs> Do reference calls as you do for your uh, yes. applicants. Do reference yes. calls with other founders on yes. on the VCs. How do they behave yes. after they invested? Yes. And then you get a better understanding. That helps a lot to understand if you if that's what you want or not. Yeah, so. and that's easy. Like just Google it up uh, and then ask. Because of course, if you ask the investors for reference call, they will they will pitch you the ones that they want you to talk to but you know their portfolio, so it's just to reach out. As I said, just reach out and call and say, hey, I have a couple of questions. Can I talk to you? And then just talk like, uh, how, how are they meetings? What are they expecting? And when you know, things get rough, how do they help you? Because what we saw, of course, I remember when COVID hit, then I was like, okay, this is things that I can't impact. If we now go bust, then, you know, we did whatever we could, but we actually grew because we do payments. So uh, the contactless payments, etc., grew. So we, we grew during COVID, and then we were like finally coming out of COVID. Finland won the Olympic gold in ice hockey against Russia, and two days later, the war in Ukraine started. And I was like, "Fuck, okay, like when does this end?" 
And uh, again, uh, things are evolving, and, and uh, I think as, as, as Finns are quite, we are deemed the happiest nation in the world, but we are very, how should I say, realistic about things, so I'm very pragmatic. So I think that helps also. So don't start spending then the money on trips and parties and, 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 and alcohol, uh, because... Uh, Happens more often than you think. Yeah. Um, <laughs> In regards of the time, yes. uh, I would say thank you very much. Uh, meet you. us uh, wherever you find us uh, on the conference and ask questions if you have. Yes. Uh, Monica, thank you so much. Thank, thank you, you uh, Female Founders and uh, Alice TS, Lead Today, Shape yeah. Tomorrow. Uh, LTST, sorry. <laughs> lead yeah. Today, Shape Tomorrow. Yeah. And um, yeah, have a great conference. Yeah. Thank you.